Hey, my name's Ken Russell. I'm a City of Miami Commissioner, and I'm here to help you better understand your local government. Everybody knows that Florida has water problems, problems with water quality and water flow. But how do you know what the right solution is and who's fighting on your behalf and that of the environment? My name is Ken Russell. I'm here today with Merritt Matheson, who is a commissioner and vice mayor in Stewart, Florida, where I recently visited to learn everything I can about their water issues and how it relates with Miami's water issues. So, Commissioner, welcome to the podcast, to our, to our show. We really want to hear from you. Please give us a little introduction. Let us know who you are and why you got into local politics. Excellent. Thanks, Ken. And, and again, you came up uh, last week and thanks for coming up touring the city of Stewart, getting out on a boat on our on our waterways so we could talk about, you know, problems in our estuary and, and throughout South Florida with water quality. I'm Merritt Matheson. I'm the, I'm the vice mayor of the city of Stewart. This is my hometown. I, I was born here, you know, raised here, traveled around, went to University of Colorado, lived in Hawaii for a little while. I'm very much an environmentalist. That's my primary interest of study educationally and professionally. I worked as a boat captain for years of my life and, you know, settled back in my hometown and um, raising a family here. Got incredibly interested because of our water quality and those problems and, and that's what got me into local politics. Basically, I wanted a louder platform to speak on on the problems I saw and, and keep it forefront in the conversation around the city of Stewart. In, in the simplest terms, what are Stewart's water problems in your estuary, your rivers, your ocean? What, what, what's the big issue you have? The biggest problem began really in, in the 1920s, 1926, 27, really, and on. But we have the Cross Florida Waterway, where our estuary, natural estuary, it's, it's brackish water, um, a mix of salt and fresh water. We are linked to the inlet. And, you know, all of our ancestors here in Florida came up with the wise idea they thought then um, to link St. Lucie Inlet and cross over the state of Florida, link us to Lake Okeechobee and then to the Caloosahatchee River. And realistically, that's a very wise idea for, for transportation and functionality of, of crossing Florida. The problem is, though, that what that did was link City of Stewart to Lake Okeechobee through a 26-mile man-made canal. So there never was a natural connection before? No, no natural connection. And that's you're hitting at the heart of the problem there is we have now water coming from Lake Okeechobee into the St. Lucie River and our estuary. The same thing occurs on the west coast of Florida in the Caloosahatchee River. And, but on our end, that's entirely unnatural. And what it did in creating that, that you know, cross Florida waterway was build two of the largest drainage systems for Lake Okeechobee. And as Florida has been developed, we've managed the state by, by drying it up. A lot of Florida historically was wetlands. We had incredibly clean, pure water that would naturally flow south from Lake Okeechobee into what a lot of people have you know, heard of probably as the river of grass. 
the Everglades historically went all the way up to Stewart and west on the Caloosahatchee. And we as humankind have shrunk that. We filled in wetlands, um, destroyed basically nature's natural way to purify water. And now with, with development sitting south of Lake Okeechobee has always been that, that river of grass was naturally some of the most fertile land in, in the world, frankly. And we've turned that into a large area called the EAA Reservoir, the Everglades Agricultural Area. And that produces massive amounts of, of sugar cane um, and other ag products uh, that help feed our state and our country. Question though for you, before you get into the draining of Lake Okeechobee into your estuary causes and the problems there, and help me understand again a little more about why they created this, this cross-state waterway. Was it just for transportation or was it about managing the level of the lake for other reasons? Originally, it was, it was for transportation, but it, it evolved into managing the level of the lake so that frankly, we could dry up South Florida and turn the land to develop it and, and live on it, raise crops from it. And it was part of flood control for South Florida. That cross Florida waterway, while it had entirely good intentions, when it evolved into managing the lake height of Lake Okeechobee so that South Florida became more and more livable and you got rid of a lot of the wetlands and swamps that would naturally be flooded for half the year. City of Stewart and our estuary became, frankly, the, the toilet bowl, so to say, the drainage system of all the water flow from North Florida that flows into Lake Okeechobee east. And, and naturally that water should have flown south into the Florida Everglades. And again, you have this same problem on the Western side of Caloosahatchee. So if I were to paint a picture with the lake dead center in the state and you've got a natural north to south flow, there should be headwaters of the lake flowing in from the north and then that lake should be draining out toward the Everglades. That was dried up to some extent to allow for the development that we know of today, but it's been dried up so much that we have a negative consequence in the south end of the state as well, right? Because what I'm understanding, and we're going to get into the problems of the water going your way, we're having a problem by not having enough water coming down our way at this point. Is that correct? Exactly. So part of it is, is development, overpopulation. That's happening all over the world. But, but we really screwed up nature's natural water flow of Florida. And to put it as, as simply as possible, you know, you had the Kissimmee River flowing from northern Florida down south into Lake Okeechobee and, and a few other rivers and, and tributaries filled up. Lake Okeechobee, and then naturally Lake Okeechobee would overflow and there'd be this sheet flow of water that would flood a lot of South Florida and that water would slowly drain down south into the Everglades, into Biscayne Bay. That would really help sustain Florida Bay, Biscayne Bay, all of Everglades National Park as it is today. Water flowing from Lake Okeechobee would take about 16 months if you took a drop of water for it to go all the way down south into Florida Bay. But the outcome of it flowing in that slow sheet flow process would be you'd have extremely clean, pure, fresh water 
flowing into Florida Bay. And you'd also, that also created a very nutrient-rich land south of Lake Okeechobee. Now, there's another benefit of it coming south as well, and that's for South Florida's drinking water. How does that work where Lake Okeechobee ends up in our drinking water in Miami or should end up? Excellent question, Ken. That one of the biggest benefits, I mean, that's how all of Florida, we're sitting on a surficial aquifer. A lot of Florida, especially South Florida's limestone. And so that natural sheet flow of water, a lot of it would end up, as I said, into Florida Bay. But a tremendous amount would, one, evaporate into the atmosphere and you know, cause our rainstorms. And another large portion of it would percolate into our aquifer. So many people probably listening have, have experienced some of Florida's great gems up in northern Florida, the springs and stuff. Well, actually, we used to have a lot more springs in South Florida. Some of those springs in conjunction, you know, are fed from our aquifer. And so city of Miami, I'm sure, city of Stewart, we draw our drinking water from our surficial aquifer. And that's recharged from this natural sheet flow of water that I'm talking about. You know, water sitting on the ground in, you know, any water body naturally is going to percolate down into our aquifer. And that natural percolation is what purifies that water going into our aquifer. So when we draw it out, it's incredibly clean, needs fairly little treatment as far as drinking water. Now, what happens if we don't have enough fresh water coming from the north, recharging our aquifer down here in the Biscayne Aquifer? What, doesn't, doesn't that create a void of fresh water in that aquifer? What's the impact there? So there's an extremely dangerous impact that a lot of climatologists see and just basically a lot of realistic people have noticed looming on the horizon. Florida's population is not going down. And so we're going to continue to draw on that aquifer. And if you remove all that water from that aquifer, something else wants to fill that void. You know, and that's something else. The scary part is the Gulf Stream, the Atlantic Ocean. So the big concern is saltwater intrusion into our aquifer. And, and that's a really dangerous thought. So one way to prevent, the, the number one way to prevent saltwater intrusion into our aquifer is to keep our aquifer naturally recharged with fresh water. If it gets too low, that void in the aquifer is going to want to be naturally filled. And the nearest other water body is going to be the ocean. And the, and the pressure is there. If you don't have an equilibrium of pressure, the saltwater intrudes. So the basics of why Miami wants the water to flow south is one, to replenish the Everglades as a habitat, to feed fresh water through sheet flow to Florida Bay, which is healthy for everything that lives there. And three, for our the municipalities all within South Florida to have drinking water and have our aquifers replenished and not full of salt water. Now, why don't you want the water as Stuart, who is east of Lake Okeechobee? Why isn't it great for you to get it instead of us? So... St. Lucie Estuary, literally that term means a mix of fresh and salt water. And we are historically the northern end of the Everglades. We're one of the most biodiverse areas in the country and a lot of people believe in, in the world. The problem is we've been inundated with too much fresh water coming from Lake Okeechobee. And in that water, it's, it's loaded with those same nutrients that I spoke of earlier that made the EAA, the Everglades Agriculture Area, and all the land south of Lake Okeechobee so fertile. Well, those same nutrients are loaded in the water we're receiving 
they're not having time to percolate into the ground and be used and uptaken by other plants in a natural process. They're flooded just right into our estuary. And lately, what those nutrients are doing, they're causing algae blooms. This algae is toxic, a lot of it. And and it's toxic and so dangerous to the point it's been linked to ALS, to Alzheimer's, um, to liver disease. Frankly, we don't know the real consequences of what can be in some of these algae blooms. But that's only recently since the nutrient levels have spiked so much in the past five or eight years. Up until this point, our estuary has been destroyed. This inundation of fresh water kills our oysters, kills our seagrass, and throws off the natural equilibrium of our estuary. And you can kind of see this same thing in effects down south in the Everglades where the equilibrium is thrown off. And in Biscayne Bay, their salinity levels are thrown off. I get it. So it's interesting. What's good for some areas is bad for other areas where the nutrients, like you say itself, for an agricultural area, if introduced appropriately, those nutrients are are good for them in a sense where it's just flushed into your estuary, causes an algae bloom, which has health effects, has environmental effects, and then just the low salinity itself for your estuary. It's interesting where we're trying to keep our salinity down in our aquifer, you're trying to keep your salinity up in your estuary. Exactly. For the fish and wildlife that live there on a healthy basis. Exactly. I mean, you know, Florida's natural plumbing, so to say, is like a balanced scale. You know, so we're getting inundated with this fresh water, throwing the scale off one way, and the effects are seen environmentally and and in regards to drinking water in South Florida as well. There's consequences with humankind messing with Florida's natural systems. Interesting. And so you and I had never met before, and I don't think there's a lot of intercity conversations about these kinds of issues, but to put it in nature terms, we should have a symbiotic relationship here. We have a mutual need for this water to flow correctly, right? From the lakes south through the Everglades and into our aquifer and bay, and you have a need to try to stop the discharges from happening through the man-made canals into your estuary. So I'm really glad that we're starting these conversations and getting to know each other. I'm really impressed at the municipal level to have this amount of science conversation around policymaking. So first of all, thank you for everything you're, you're doing for water quality in your community as an elected official. But the next step is what can we do to work together? How can Miami help Stewart and Stewart help Miami? Absolutely, Ken. And I I thank you for us linking us together, really. The detriment in my area is an absolute necessity in your area. Saltwater intrusion into our our aquifers down south is an end all. It's an end game result. And we have to, you know, fight that at all costs. How do we move forward? You know, we need to raise this issue through education. The city of Miami needs the water that we're getting. And we need to fix kind of the bottlenecks to get the water there. Um, but on top of that, you know, so, so we can work with our, you know, congressional representatives in your area, as well as in my area, express our desire that, that we need to work together on this issue. This also needs to be looked at through an economics issue. The consequences of the city of Miami not doing anything about recharging their aquifer with this natural nature's natural process are devastating frankly tourism is the number one economy in south florida 
But Florida as a whole is not going to survive if we don't have our water supply. I mean, that's got to trump all health and human safety. And your drinking water in South Florida, let alone the ecological concerns, has to be a major issue. And again, when you talk about health and human safety, when my residents are inundated with, with toxic blue-green algae in our estuary, it can be so bad to the point where people don't want to go outside near the water because they can physically smell and, and breathe the toxins in the air. Let's talk turkey then on steps. Um, because I understand there is a plan in place to restore the Everglades in as much as possible. It's a compromised plan that's not perfect, but it would send a significant greater flow south. And that is in process, but maybe not uh, a guarantee. So who makes the decision on how that water flows and what chance do we have of losing that plan? Is, is, it, is it a done deal or is there vigilance still needed? There's vigilance still needed through the entire process. And right now, the, the main management is headed up by the Army Corps of Engineers. They work in conjunction with the South Florida Water Management District. So a lot of the flows south of Lake Okeechobee and your, your smaller canal heights are handled at the state level with the South Florida Water Management District. But the two largest drains out of Lake Okeechobee, as I talked about, are controlled by the Army Corps of Engineers. U.S. Congress dictated that they're in charge of flood control in regarding South Florida, so to say. That's why they're in charge of, of the drain, you know, into my estuary and the drain, you know, into the Caloosahassee estuary. And right now, the Army Corps of Engineers is in a process where they're upgrading their management of Lake Okeechobee and the system of handling the water. So they're making a new plan, a new, a new guideline through which they'll decide how much water to send where. Um, and I understand there's, a, there's an input process amongst the various regions and cities, but from, a, uh, from an infrastructure perspective, they're also building a reservoir to specifically store, clean, and send water south. Is that correct? Yes. So. There's a large reservoir, if we talk infrastructure first, that that's, plans are ongoing. And it's the EAA reservoir, which hopefully, if everything goes smoothly, we should be looking at a completion date of, of 2028. Um, conjunctively, the Hoover, Herbert Hoover Dyke, which encompasses the southern uh, end of Lake Okeechobee, and holds the water in, in Lake Okeechobee is being reinforced. And that should be completed in roughly 2022. So this new plan is taking these infrastructure improvements into account. And it's basically a, a new management plan where they're taking comments from all stakeholders and working out new modeling in ways to ideally improve every stakeholder's best interest. Great, so I'm gonna wrap up at this point and I know we're gonna be talking again. I'm sure I'll be visiting Stewart again. I have family and roots there as you know, but I really wanna grow our relationship as cities. 
and form joint resolutions that formalize our intention to work together and see how we can help each other advocate for cleaner water that flows where it's supposed to uh, from those who are in the policy and decision-making positions. So I really want to thank you, Barrett Matheson, Commissioner and Vice Mayor of the City of Stewart, Florida, for joining us here, for meeting with me, for helping educate not only your residents, but mine as well on all of these issues. So I wish you very good luck in your fight. We got your back. Excellent, Ken. Thank you so much. I look forward to us working together for you know, common interests.